upholding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. We signed a climate convention on the importance of economic instruments and free markets were included in this mammoth uh, Agenda 21 document and the Rio Declaration. Uh, let me be clear on one fundamental point. Uh, the United States fully intends to be the world's preeminent leader in protecting the global environment. Coming up, Technocracy News. On Monday, July 6th, 2020, I was honored to sit in for Daniel Brigman to guest host his program on the radio on the Power Hour Nation. And I was privileged to interview Dr. Russell Blaylock. Many of you know who Dr. Blaylock is. He's a renowned neurosurgeon, had a spectacular career, continues to write and to do research. And he answered all the questions we might ever have on the wearing of face masks. Are they good for you or not good for you? And if they're not good for you, what can you do about it? So without further ado, here is the entire segment on the Power Hour Nation along with myself and Dr. Russell Blaylock. Our Hour. I'm Patrick Wood sitting in for Daniel Brigman. We're having a great program. This is the second hour we're coming into. We have Bob France last hour. This hour we have with us Dr. Russell Blaylock. It's going to be a great program. If you have a friend that needs to hear what we're going to say, now's the time to call him up, get him to dial into the program, wherever you might be, however you might be listening to the program. Get them online while you have time so that they can hear this Super, super important information that we're going to be talking about, face masks and social distancing and things like that. Um, I am Patrick Wood. Some of you know who I am. Um, I've been around for a number of years, uh, the uh, expert on the Trilateral Commission back in the 1970s and 80s, having written Trilaterals over Washington with the late Professor Anthony Sutton. More recently, in recent years, I've been writing about technocracy, which has a very tight connection to the Trilateral Commission and economic theory. And we see the tentacles of technocracy digging into our flesh even today throughout the world. And it's not just an American thing. It's all around the world. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk more specifically about the pandemic because that's what's on everybody's mind. It's on my mind all the time, I have to say. And the more important articles that we read about on technocracy.news or the people are reading about and are coming to read about have to do with the science behind technocracy or behind uh, the social distancing face mask and so on, the political agenda that we see going on. And I want to start out this segment by saying we're going to talk a lot about pseudoscience here. Pseudoscience is not science. Just make that distinction right off. And we're not bashing any scientist or, or engineer or anything like that. We're, you know, I Personally, I am very pro-science. I love science if it's real science, especially when it helps me. And if it uh, is designed to control me, on the other hand, I don't like that kind of science because that gets off in the weeds. And control is not what science was ever meant to do. But we're going to talk about pseudoscience quite a bit. 
And I want to give you a definition just to set the stage here. Merriam-Webster defines pseudoscience as, quote, a system of theories, assumptions, and methods erroneously regarded as scientific. And the Oxford Dictionary adds to that by calling it a collection of beliefs. I underscore that. Beliefs or practices mistakenly regarded as being based on the scientific method. And this is the problem we're going to be talking about today. There's a lot of people running around, and uh, especially in government circles, saying that they have the real science behind the face mask issue and why you should wear them and shame on you if you don't. And the same thing with social distancing and the same thing with contact tracing. All of these policies are wrapped around something they call science, but we have discovered that actually they do not have the real science. They are using pseudoscience, as I just defined. It's a it's a system of theories or assumptions that's erroneously regarded as scientific. But if you call those false theories science enough times, people will eventually believe, oh, that must be scientific because they say it's scientific, but it's in fact not. So we're going to introduce now, I'm going to introduce Dr. Russell Blaylock, and I'll just give you a brief intro on who this doctor is. He is a respected medical doctor uh, who, a bit of a rebel like me, I guess you might say, he's unafraid to challenge establishment thinking, and he has done so successfully for many years. He doesn't parrot the uh, what the New England Journal of Medicine says, which uh, uh, receives heavy subsidies and advertisements and so on. Dr. Blaylock is a nationally recognized, board-certified neurosurgeon. He's a health practitioner, author, lecturer. He uh, has more than a quarter century of medical experience, and his credentials include all that experience in neurosurgery, I guess if there anybody, I wanted anybody to operate on my brain, it would have been him. Uh, he's, edit, he's been the editor of the respected Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons and Journal of the American Nutraceutical Association. Dr. Blaylock, welcome to the Power Hour. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. Hey, we got so much to talk about. You've written some papers recently, uh, in particular one called Face Mask Pose Serious Risk to the Healthy, and as I said, we're going to try and uh, make a distinction between real science and pseudoscience here. I know <clears throat> that we have kind of discussed before, at least via email, that uh, uh, this seems to be the big divide right now is what is sci real science and what is pseudoscience. And, and we can only speculate why so many people are hanging on to the pseudoscience surrounding this entire pandemic. But why don't you start out? I think people want to just just cut to the chase here. Why don't you start out and tell us? Start with a face mask issue. Everybody's saying you have to wear face masks. Start governments and CDC and everybody else saying you must wear face masks. It's the only way to stop this virus. Is that really true, or is that just a big pile of pseudoscience? Well, I'll, I'll start out this discussion with a quote. Uh, this is... Uh from Dr. Simon Clark, Associate Professor of Cellular Microbiology at the University of Reading. He says, quote, there's only very limited evidence of benefit of wearing face masks by the general public. No evidence that wearing them in crowded places helps at all, and no evidence at all yet related to COVID-19. 
so with that introduction, what I would say is that if you look at the combined science about uh, face masks, there's quite a bit of studies that were done primarily with influenza, but other viruses, in fact, the uh, species of coronavirus other than uh, this uh, particular one, because this is brand new, but uh, uh, other types of viruses, uh, rhinoviruses or cold viruses. And uh, what they found was, uh, just to capsulize it, is that the science indicates that the, uh, anything less than wearing an N95 mask all the time, uh, and in one study include, uh, included even during sleep, uh, uh, did not help at all. Uh, probably one of the biggest uh, studies that was done with the influenza was by McIntyre. And he looked at 143 uh, households um, for community control like we're having now to see if wearing a mask would make any difference uh, in influenza. And what he found out was that, in fact, uh, compliance was extremely difficult and that if, uh, uh, if everyone wore a mask and uh, uh, they tried to do it as... as uh, accurately as possible, it still didn't seem to reduce the incidence and spread of, of influenza. Now, influenza virus is a larger virus than this uh, COVID-19 virus, which means that the COVID-19 will pass through these, uh, these masks very easily. And it's been studied and shown that, indeed, it, it does pass through the mask, uh, the cloth mask particularly, and through the uh, paper mask uh, fairly easily, so you're really not getting any protection by wearing those masks, either if you're the infected party or you're trying to protect yourselves because the virus freely flows between the two. Uh, now, uh, what concerned me is, is uh, uh, even though there's a considerable evidence that this is not protective uh, a way to prevent the spread of the virus or to protect yourself. Uh, I think the, the literature is pretty uh, consistent in that uh, regard. Uh, most people can't wear an N95 mask. So what I looked at second, well, is this uh, harmful? And that was something that really uh, uh, concerned me a lot more. Um, and when I looked at the science, and I review, I'm just I just finished reviewing uh, the majority of the science that is good hard science, and I'm writing a paper on it. That's a lot more detailed than what I originally put out uh, through your organization. And what they found is there's a number of health conditions in which people should not wear a mask of any kind, and one of the most frequent. Uh, more minor problems they found was headaches. And when they looked at people who in the hospital had to wear a mask uh, during uh, their procedures, they found about 37% of people said they were developing headaches if they wore the mask more than an hour. Uh, people with migraine headaches said it, the mask precipitated their migraine headaches. Uh, another study looked at the N95 mask in hospital workers. And they found that um, uh, it was causing uh, the same problem of headaches in 81% of people who wore the mask. And they found that, in fact, there was a problem uh, with uh, hypoxia and hypercapnia as being the main thing that seemed 
to be precipitating these uh, headaches. Um, so this uh, spurred other studies. They looked at people, for instance, who had uh, pulmonary disease, uh, COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which was very common in this country. And what they found in looking at 97 people who had COPD uh, is that people who had moderate or more severe um, uh, COPD couldn't tolerate the mask at all. It caused uh, severe uh, in interference with uh, their oxygenation and uh, getting rid of the CO2. So only the very mild patients could tolerate it, but they could only tolerate it for an hour. All of them had a decrease in their oxygenation of their blood and an accumulation of CO2. Uh, people with emphysema, pulmonary fibrosis, asthma, they would also be at risk of wearing a mask. Now, most states make no distinction. They don't say, well, people with uh, these lung diseases and pulmonary diseases, you don't have to wear a mask. So let's put that one on the schedule. Uh, then they looked at uh, people uh, who were pregnant to see, well, what about a person that's pregnant? Would this mask be harmful to them? And they knew that uh, during pregnancy, particularly the pregnancy advances, uh, the women uh, require a uh, higher intake of oxygen. Uh, they have diaphragmatic uh, splinting, which means they can't uh, have their diaphragm rise and fall uh, for breathing uh, because of the increased pressure in their abdomen. Uh, they also found they have nat naturally uh, a nasal airway resistance and an increased oxygen demand. So already they're, they're at uh, a situation where they need more oxygen. And uh, the studies on pregnant women, the best one that was done, uh, looked at a number of physiological parameters, what was happening in the pregnant woman. And they had to be real careful because they didn't want to damage the baby. And they found that there was a 35% uh, decrease in their ability to exchange air uh, and that uh, their uh, oxygenation level fell and their CO2 began to accumulate in their body. And a pregnant woman, she normally has lower CO2 to protect the baby. So even if her CO2 rises to a normal level for an ordinary person, that could harm the, the child. <clears throat> so the suggestion was that because this was so harmful to the women, and even doing this limited study, uh, they didn't dare do uh, what is normally being done in our society because it uh, would endanger the baby to a high uh, extent. Now, there's no state is telling pregnant women you shouldn't wear a mask. They're not telling them that you certainly shouldn't wear a mask for a prolonged period of time, even though the science clearly says that's a danger uh, to pregnant women. Now, there's another condition that uh, similar physiological effect, and that's obesity. And they looked at obese people and measured their blood oxygenation, their ability to exchange air, particularly people who were uh, more grossly obese. And uh, there's a condition called obesity hypoventilation syndrome in which they have particularly uh, poor oxygenation to begin with. 
And if they, when they put a mask on them, they found they accumulated CO2 at very high levels, and their oxygenation could fall precipitously, causing a crisis. Now, even the obese person, not the grossly obese, but the obese person also was shown to have a drop in O2 oxygenation and a rise in CO2. Uh, diabetics were at an increased danger because of the hypoxia and uh, uh, hypercapnia that is accumulating CO2, increased uh, free radical generation, which is uh, one of the major damaging effects of diabetes. So you've got millions, tens of millions of diabetics, uh, and they should not be wearing these masks. There's also evidence uh, from the buildup of this uh, CO2 that could damage the brain. And they found particularly at risk would be people who had seizures. Uh, when they measured normal people and uh, let their CO2 rise to the levels we see in these, these mass studies, uh, they found that it caused uh, hyperexcitability of the cortex, which is, would precipitate a seizure. Uh, so people with seizures shouldn't be wearing these masks. No one's telling them that, and there's no exclusion for people who have seizures. Now, because a number of these studies found elevation in the CO2, particularly with prolonged wearing of the masks, uh, we need to look at what happens when your CO2 rises. Well, they found that it produces a number of symptoms, including anxiety. It raises the blood pressure. So that's a danger to people with hypertension. Produces breathlessness sensation and associated with panic attacks. Uh, people who have bipolar disorder are hypersensitive to these effects. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are bipolar. There's no exclusion for any of these people from wearing a mask. Everyone's supposed to wear it. Um, the effect on the immune system was particularly of concern to me, and what they found is that when the CO2 level rises and the O2 level falls, uh, it suppresses immunity, uh, particularly the most important immune cell in this disease, and that's the lymphocyte. And what we see in all cases of uh, coronavirus, uh, severe cases, is there's a drop or a fall in the lymphocyte count. And the lymphocyte's the major cell that fights the virus. Hypoxia makes that even worse. And it stimulated another type of cell called a Treg or regulatory T cell, which is an immune suppressive uh, cell. And uh, so this makes the immune suppression even worse. And what we know, and no one in society is at any danger from this virus unless you have an immune suppressing disorder. So here we find the mask itself is producing immune suppression if you wear it for a prolonged period. Uh, through this, this mechanism, which is well demonstrated. They also found that if the CO2 begins to rise, you can have cardiac arrhythmias, that is abnormal heartbeat. Uh, there's a lot of people out there with arrhythmias. Uh, they would be in danger of uh, making their arrhythmia worse, and they could die from it. Uh, no one's telling that people that if you have cardiac arrhythmias, you shouldn't be wearing masks. Uh, also, if you're a fragile heart patient, uh, you have heart failure. Uh, it's been shown that the hypoxia and the hypercapnia causes increased sensitivity of the heart to these two uh, conditions. 
Uh, there's cognitive effects, that is when people's uh, CO2 begins to rise and their O2 falls, they have difficulty thinking. Uh, and the studies of nurses that have to wear these masks for 12 hours, they found a number of them complained of uh, brain fog, difficulty thinking, confusion, difficulty speaking, uh, anxiety, all of these symptoms we've talked about. They also found that if you have repeated hypoxic stress, that is, if every day you're having a period where your oxygen level falls, it causes very aggressive atherosclerosis, that is, hardening of the arteries, and it can lead to a heart attack or a stroke. It also causes hypercoagulation of the blood, which again would lead to a heart attack or stroke. So you have millions of people out there with uh, uh, cardiac conditions who've had heart attacks or strokes before, and wearing a mask would put them at a great risk. Uh, so uh, just looking at uh, what we know so far, there's quite a bit of danger uh, related to the, the wearing of these masks uh, for prolonged periods, and that's what's being uh, demanded. Now, most of these studies that say they didn't find any uh, effect on blood gases uh, are studies that were, number one, in very healthy people. None of them were smokers. They don't allow smokers in the studies. They're young, and the study never lasts over an hour. Now, we find that that uh, would mean the vast majority of people in the public that are wearing masks don't fall within that category. Um, so the studies that were done in people that smoke and do these other things uh, found out, in fact, it does cause uh, the oxygenation and the uh, accumulation of CO2 to occur. Uh, so when you hear people say, well, we, do, we have studies that said that that didn't happen, that's why. Now, the studies that were prolonged did find this problem. And, in fact, one of the shorter-range studies found that uh, two of their test subjects, both who were not obese and did not smoke, had severe uh, retention of CO2, uh, and that when they took the mask off, the CO2 fell to normal. So you probably have tens of thousands of people in that category that are being forced to wear masks. They're becoming severely hypercapnic, which causes anxiety, panic attacks, uh, and uh, can cause cardiac arrhythmias and all these other problems we talked about. Now, what about the, the cloth mask and the face mask? Well, it's been uh, determined by careful study using every kind of cloth mask you can think of that it uh, is of no use whatsoever and uh, preventing uh, either influenza infection or the corona infection. So uh, it uh, is, is certainly of no use. Now, the surgical mask, that's the paper mask you see, there was a, a study of, of 53 surgeons who wear a mask, and a lot of the criticism I received during the uh, when I first released this paper was that, oh, well, surgeons and different kinds of doctors wear a mask all the time. Well, of course, I was a surgeon. I, I'm, I, I knew that quite well. Uh, and uh, had uh, worked in the operating room for 30 years. Well, uh, what we do, for most of our cases are less than an hour, no more than an hour, and we change our masks between cases, and we sit and breathe normal oxygen between cases.
But if you've ever done a four-hour case, you become extremely fatigued. And this is what we find uh, happens uh, when you, you wear this mask for a long period of time, is there's extreme fatigue, and that's because your body is having to work much harder to be able to breathe and to keep your blood ca- uh, gases as near normal as possible. We'll be back right after this short break. Don't go away. This conversation is not done. I'm Patrick Wood. Hour hour today. Patrick Wood sitting in for Daniel Brigman, and we've been having a great conversation here with Dr. Russell Blaylock, an eminent neurosurgeon who is a health expert all around the world. He's a prolific writer, he's a researcher, and not only that, but he's had the experience of a lifetime being a neurosurgeon for all those years. He understands the medical community top to bottom, and he's giving us his view on. The dangers of face mask. And in the first segment of this program, we have, of course, talked about all the people who have some condition that would prevent them right off the bat from wearing a face mask. People with asthma, people with uh, COPD, uh, people with diabetes, people with cancer, people that are pregnant, women that are pregnant. Um, There's just a raft of things, people that are obese, that would prevent somebody right off the bat from wearing a face mask. And yet uh, the government, uh, governments around the country are saying, no, everybody needs to wear a face mask, no exceptions, no exemptions whatsoever. So to those people who already have challenging health issues, it actually is obviously going to be harmful to their conditions to wear a face mask for any uh, extended period of time, especially, and for some, even a short period of time. And we haven't discussed, actually we've touched on all of the issues, I think, that, that are important to that. One of the issues, of course, the, the lack of oxygen, the necessary fresh air getting into your lungs that you need to breathe. We're talking about restrictive airways where you have to breathe harder to get the same amount of air to your lungs. But now let's pivot away from just these, what sick people can expect or people with challenging conditions to start with, and let's go to now the healthy people. There's got to be a percentage of healthy people left that, uh, okay, I don't have uh, diabetes, I don't, I'm not obese, I'm in great shape, I'm in a perfect physical specimen. Uh, maybe there's 20 to 30% of American citizens that are in that healthy category, and uh, granted, most of them are going to be young for sure, but here they are wearing face masks like the the work at Costco, they're all required to wear face masks now. They're climbing up and down ladders and they're running around stocking shelves and whatever. And that's true for all the other big box stores. Many smaller stores are in the same boat. Uh, young people, healthy people are wearing these masks. Do they have a reason to be concerned, Dr. Blaylock? Uh, well, yeah. Well, number one is what you got to look at. Unless everybody's wearing a mask, uh, you're not going to stop anything. So if 20% of the nation's wearing masks and the other 80% aren't, the, it's, it's worthless. And that's what the McIntyre study showed, looking at 143 households. If, if it's not absolute, wearing a mask all the time, 
and they were even wearing it uh, during sleep. Unless you go to that extreme, uh, you don't get any benefit at all. Well, you can't because the vast majority of Americans aren't healthy. And in the study with the cloth, with the uh, paper mask, the surgeon's mask, that was uh, they used 35-year-old surgeons who were perfectly healthy, and their blood gases fell. So as uh, these people are trying to work, waiters, you know, working eight-hour, 12-hour shifts or other people working long shifts, wearing that mask, uh, according to the studies we have, they could do considerable damage to themselves. A lot of people have propensity to, for a, an arrhythmia of the heart, and they're not even aware of it. So they start wearing this mask, suddenly they develop an arrhythmia. They go to their doctor, well, he was not connected to the mask. And you see, what people don't understand, most doctors have never researched uh, anything about this uh, physiology of the effect of wearing masks. And every time I, I hear somebody saying uh, that what I said is not true, so doctors wear it all the time, they'll interview a doctor who's never read a single study. And I would bet hardly any doctor in this country has ever read a single study about face masks, far less go into the depth that I did and analyze it in great depth and look at the real science. So uh, these young people are setting themselves up for aggressive disease uh, in the future. For instance, like the study I quoted where he said they found if you had repeated episodes of hypoxia uh, day after day, it produced highly aggressive atherosclerosis. Uh, well, if you're young and you're you're going through this this period of wearing a mask every day for month after month, you're producing aggressive atherosclerosis. Then when you do get a little older, in your 40s and 50s, you could have a massive heart attack and die. Also, there are 34 million people in this country who smoke, and that's not even counting the people that are doing this vaping, which does the same lung damage as smoking. Uh, no one has ever tested smokers wearing these masks, but I can guarantee you, uh, with the amount of damage and interference with oxygenation just from smoking itself, they would be at a, a tremendous risk. Uh, and what we found with the immune suppression in people uh, who have cancer, uh, if you raise the Tregs, those, those immunosuppressant cells I talked about, well, that's what you see in people who have highly metastatic cancer, is they have a lot of Tregs. Well, you're increasing it even more. You're driving the lymphocytes that can kill cancer down, and you're increasing the lymphocytes that are immunosuppressive, making the cancer grow faster and more invasive. No one's even looking at this. You've got millions of, of cancer patients out there who are being made hypoxic and hypercapnic, which is making their cancer more aggressive, and no one's even paying any attention to that. And most, and you know, most of the doctors have never even investigated this. They don't know about these studies because they they're not interested and they they're busy doing other things. I don't know what they're doing now because they're not practicing medicine most of the time. Um, but these things are quite real. I've researched it very carefully. I looked at uh, the uh, weak points in the papers who say there's no problem with wearing a mask. And like I said, they're all done in young people. They don't have any smokers in the study. They don't have any people with chronic illnesses at all. Most of them are, are thin people, and, and they pick purposely pick healthy people to do the study. Uh, and the study lasts for less than an hour, no more than an hour. 
And so all the studies, even the one in the surgeons, found that, well, for the first hour, you can compensate by fighting that math. But after that, uh, you lose the compensation, and then you start getting hypoxic, and it continues. It didn't stop. It just continued for the full four hours. Uh, and what they found also is that with breathing in masks, within seven minutes of putting a mask on, the uh, moisture in the mask material increases uh, about 92%. And that interferes with respirations. Uh, and it interferes with the ability of the mask uh, as a filter. So uh, you're, you're, as long as you wear that mask, particularly in the summertime when it's humid and you're sweating a lot, uh, now you're, you're really interfering with the ability of the mask to work. Cloth masks are the worst of all. Uh, so cloth mask has no, no role in this. It's just cosmetic. People look, say, yeah, look, I'm wearing a mask. Uh, I'm being a good citizen. And, uh, you know, the, the physical harm and the harm to, to health by wearing these masks for long periods of time is irrefutable. Uh, I mean, this is, this is good, hard science. And I picked the best studies, and the best studies on the ability of the mask to protect you, they looked at 17 studies, a meta-analysis of 17 of the best studies they could collect, and they, they had uh, the comment that there was no convincing evidence that the mask uh, reduced infections at all. Uh, so people are being sold a bill of goods. Uh, this is to, to see if people are just can be malleable and controllable. And these politicians are going crazy. Uh, and what they're trying to do is impress the public of how they're fighting this noble battle against this virus. This, this virus. And the, the really sad thing is, is we know that the people that are truly at risk from this virus, which is quite a small number of people, uh, considering the United States, it's a very small number of people, they're vitamin D3 uh, deficient. Every disease that's associated with a, a high risk of death from this virus is uh, associated with extreme vitamin D3 deficiency, also vitamin C deficiency. So if you just did those two things, had people take uh, high-dose vitamin C and at least 10,000 uh, units of vitamin uh, D3 a day, you would cut the death rate in all of these uh, at-risk people tremendously. And people have to realize 50% of all the deaths were in nursing homes, and they purposely put infected patients in nursing homes. Uh, in Canada, 80% of the deaths are in nursing homes. So uh, these figures are being doctored, manipulated. They're classifying every death as a COVID death, which is nonsense. They have people in auto accidents that they've listed as a, as a COVID death. They have uh, people who were gunshot wounds and died were listed as these deaths. Uh, so everyone who dies, if they happen to be a positive or suspected, because the, the new uh, criteria says if you suspect that they have uh, the virus, you're to put that on the death certificate. So these numbers are grossly overstated. Nowhere near the number of people are dying from the actual virus. In fact, a group of pathologists uh, from all of Europe, Germany, Spain, uh, France, uh, they all got together and they said, the virus itself has killed no one. It only kills people whose uh, immune system and th their, their body is so weak that almost any virus would kill them. 
For instance, uh, there was a study done in nursing homes and found that the common cold virus killed 8% of the patient. Uh, so that's higher, higher than uh, the uh, so-called COVID death rate. Uh, so just a common cold uh, can kill 8% of people in a nursing home. That explains most of these deaths. This virus is not that much of a killer uh, on its own. It just uh, it attacks people who have weakened systems. The two most common conditions of death are obesity and diabetes. Uh, and that's because both of those conditions are associated with high levels of inflammation and immune suppression and vitamin D3 deficiency. So you could easily correct that. Just give them high-dose vitamin C, vitamin D, and uh, you could even use an immune st uh, stimulant like beta-glucan, and uh, the death rate from this would fall to absolutely nothing. I mean, I don't, I don't get the flu. I'm 74 years old. Uh, I don't, I've never had a flu shot in my life. I don't get the flu. And when I get a cold or something, it, it never lasts more than a day or two. I never get uh, deathly ill from it uh, because I do these things. There's also other uh, flavonoid compounds like curcumin and quercetin and bioalkaline that's been shown to reverse quickly uh, the uh, cytokine storm, which is what actually kills the patients that die. Uh, the studies in animals in which they reproduced the cytokine storm and gave them these substances, uh, the cytokine storm disappeared quickly and the lungs were completely protected. Uh, no one's telling anybody this because most physicians have never heard of it. They wouldn't look at it. And the pharmaceutical companies just about controls the medical profession now. Everything they, they're allowed to, to look at and study is controlled one way or another by the pharmaceutical companies. And that's, that all of this is leading up to the vaccine. They want people to stay scared, and they want them to uh, do all of these things and say, well, you can get rid of the mask and you can get rid of the social distancing if you just take the vaccine, and we're going to have to make it mandatory for everyone. You see, and that vaccine is going to kill more people than the virus, I'll guarantee you, and it's going to make people sick for a lifetime that survive it. Uh, we've seen that with the hepatitis B vaccine, uh, which increased the incidence of multiple sclerosis in uh, the people who took it, uh, a six-fold higher incidence. So these are serious things, and there's, there's people who are going to make billions of dollars off this vaccine, and that includes uh, Anthony Fauci. Uh, uh, he's connected with Bill Gates and the rest, who are all connected to these vaccine manufacturers uh, to, to make this vaccine, which is extremely dangerous just from the early studies, uh, and can produce prolonged illness and death that's going to exceed this this uh, virus so far. I mean, just the shutdown so far and all these, these measures are taken have killed more people than the virus, uh, which no one's paying any attention to. And that's what we need to pay attention to. And these masks, forcing people to wear these masks, I guarantee you a number of people are going to die of heart attacks and strokes and uh, uh, COPD complications and arrhythmias. And the doctors won't recognize the connection to the mask because they don't know about these studies. 
you know, these people should not be wearing masks, and they should file lawsuits against every one of these uh, public health people and the, and the governors who insist that everyone put a mask on or they'd be arrested or fined uh, because that's killing people and it's destroying people's health. And that's Doctor, what my intense study of this, this whole situation has shown. Do you think, Doctor, that um, that the uh, the immune system uh, degradation across the entire population, including sick people and healthy people, uh, we know that wearing, you just stated that wearing face masks uh, suppresses your immune system, which is the very thing that people need to fight the coronavirus in the first place. Um, if we were to look across a whole population and say, well, wearing a face mask will will suppress your immune system, let's say 5% or 7% or, uh, or 10%, what impact could that have across the population on increased diseases, not necessarily just COVID, but increased diseases uh, across everything, the, you know, the whole health system in America. Could, is there any way we can kind of put a guesstimate to that on what the impact would be on society, on all the people in society, and, and maybe even the impact it might ultimately have on our health system, on our hospital system across the country? Well, if you chronically suppress people's immunity, you're going to get a lot more cases of cancer. You're going to get every kind of opportunistic infection, pneumonias, uh, sepsis, uh, every disease you can imagine that's connected to inflammation, which is virtually all of them, uh, is going to get substantially worse. Uh, a good example of that is the use of statin drugs to, low, uh, to lower cholesterol. Statin drugs are powerful immune suppressants, and it's known that statins increase uh, the incidence of cancer and increase your risk of infection. And I would imagine a lot of these people on statins are, are people who are getting uh, uh, these infections and having serious consequences from the coronavirus because they're already severely immune suppressed from taking statin drugs. Uh, we know almost all the deaths are in the elderly. Uh, for instance, if you look at, at the statistics in every country in the world, uh, it's people 70 years and above that are dying. And that's because that's the people that are most inflamed. That's the people that have the worst nutrition. That's the people that have the lowest vitamin D3 level and the lowest vitamin C level. Uh, so that puts them at risk. And they're taking millions and millions of them are taking these statin drugs, which uh, suppresses their immunity even more. And no one's telling them that because most doctors aren't even aware of it. Uh, you know, people think their doctor knows a lot more than he does. Uh, most physicians don't research these things in depth uh, that they should. They just they get literature from the pharmaceutical company, and that's the basis of what they, they know about the drug. Or it'll be an article that is sponsored and written by the pharmaceutical companies. One of the worst journals in the world about that is the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, numerous of its editors-in-chiefs who retired uh, came forward and said it was a scandal the number of articles uh, printed in the New England Journal of Medicine that are fully written and sponsored by pharmaceutical companies. Uh, it is destroying medicine in this country, and unfortunately doctors just are completely unaware of this. <clears throat> um, it was um, 
a traditional back in, say, 20, 30 years ago where the doctor and patient had a relationship uh, where uh, the patient was treated according to the doctor's training and what they viewed was best for that patient. Today, it seems everything is coming down in protocols from on high. In other words, the treatment protocols are issued by the HMOs, by the hospital system, by the insurers, by the uh, by big pharma, perhaps. And the individual physician that's actually treating the patient now is hamstrung uh, in what they can do. So we see, for instance, the protocol for uh, for using incubators in hospitals to treat uh, some COVID patients, which has just been devastating to many of them. Um, is this the, the degradation of medicine in general happening right before our eyes with these these new, this new protocol system that's coming down from on high and hamstringing what doctors do for their patients? Oh, absolutely. And I've, I've written articles about that and, and uh, I've been on radio interviews talking about it. We've become a regimented uh, specialty. Uh, we have people that are uh, the elites in medicine, Harvard, Yale, Columbia, the, the big medical centers, UCLA, and they are, are making these protocols and giving them to all physicians to follow. And then you look up these people who are making up these protocols, and you find out they're getting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars from pharmaceutical companies to design a protocol to please the pharmaceutical companies, not for the patient's best interest. So, yeah, that, that's one of the things that's, that's really de- destroying uh, the health care system. Uh, is this regimentation and protocol system. For instance, uh, when this COVID thing started, the CDC, a heavily bureaucratic organization with strong connections to, uh, to uh, pharmaceutical companies, and they make millions of dollars from vaccines, uh, they put out the protocol to every hospital in the United States that any patient who had a blood gas that fell to a certain percentage and complained of shortness of breath was to be intubated. Uh, well, uh, it took a little while, but we began to learn the intubation was what was killing most of these people. And, in fact, I uh, got word from some physicians in New Orleans who said uh, they saw the same thing, and they realized that the intubation was killing the patient, not the virus, and so they quit doing it. They said they didn't care what the CDC said. They weren't going to intubate patients anymore. They were going to use high-flow oxygen and other methods. And when they did, the death rate of these seriously ill patients fell precipitously. Uh, when they started using high-dose intravenous vitamin C, uh, the death rate from these uh, the COVID serious cases fell precipitously. But what happened uh, with the, the hydroxychloroquine? Uh, that's what happened with vitamin C and every other method that actually works is they immediately stepped in and told physicians you can't use that. Some states outlawed its use. Uh, they've had numerous studies that show that hydroxychloroquine can save these patients' lives. Uh, it's a 91% effective in serious cases of, of this uh, COVID-19 infection. Uh, in the state of California, one of the doctors said every doctor in the state of California received a letter from the state public health department saying if you write a prescription for uh, hydroxychloroquine, we'll take your uh, medical license away. Uh, so it tells you somebody's behind that. Hydroxychloroquine has been used for 75 years. It's safe. 
uh, uh, people take it for months or years for malaria and uh, rheumatoid arthritis with no problems. Uh, it is highly effective against this virus. Uh, so it's obvious somebody has an, a vested interest in not wanting this uh, uh, pandemic, this epidemic, to stop uh, and end. We're coming up against the top of the hour here, and I know this is <laughs> this has been the fastest two-hour show I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on today. It's been fantastic, and I think we have to have another interview and just take away the time limit altogether and lay it out. If it takes four hours, I think we should do it and lay the whole thing out. But I want to thank you personally for coming on the program today and, and giving these listeners here great information. Bottom line, you you no, really should be wearing a face mask. I'm Patrick Wood sitting in for Daniel. You can find out more information on technocracy.news and on citizensforfreetspeech.org. Have a great day.